You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round two recap for this week's Century Tournament of Champions. And joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. What's up, Greg? All good, Rick. A little primetime golf. We got some primetime hairdos and some primetime play. The only thing missing is Deion Sanders. So it's been great. Great tournament so far. Love watching Hawaii when we have snow on the ground here in in Connecticut and and much of the Northeast. Yeah. You have snow there? Yeah, woke up to snow. Um, our, our white Christmas came a little late this year. First is it, snow, enough, to, first snow is of it year. enough enough to build a snowman or anything? Uh, not quite. Well, I guess you, it, it's not the right texture. You know how yeah. it is, Rick. You're Falls a Philly apart, guy, right? Yeah, a, little, you gotta, a little fluffy. Yeah. You can't yeah. make a snowball on this. Not yet. I, Maybe tomorrow. I got you. Better weather on Maui and better scoring conditions, Greg, because if you went out and played the plantation course today and you shot a 68, five under par, you lost strokes to the field. Scoring average closer to 5.2 strokes under. These guys absolutely getting after it all day long. And there's a number of reasons for that. One, no wind. And two, you have soft conditions. Soft conditions is always interesting on a course like this because it it's a course that tends to play a lot shorter than the yardage because of all the rollout you get. So now when it's soft, you, that roll is limited and all of a sudden you have longer clubs in the green. But what we learn and what these these great players teach us time and time again is when it's soft, the club that they're that they have in their hand doesn't matter. They're going at the flag. They're going to hit it close. And, um, and and the way these greens are rolling, it got a little firmer today than yesterday. And I think that helped the players on the greens today. I think that played a big role in why scoring got a lot lower. Cam Smith was our 18-hole leader, and he is our 36-hole leader. Now three shots clear of the chase pack, which is headlined by John Rahm and Daniel Berger, but Cam Smith got off to a little bit of uh, a rough start, bogeyed his first two holes, and then, Greg, he flips the switch. An eagle on five, birdies on six, seven, nine. Then he makes six more on his second nine. The idea of making two bogeys to start your round on a day when the scoring average is five under par, it could have been over. You know, he could have just rolled over Got a couple of back, couple of these back, and we would have never heard from Cam Smith again. This was a, a heck of a battle background. You know, there's birdies out there, which is the good thing. But at the same time, you do. You're right. You feel like you're losing ground. You feel like you just played your way out of the tournament, and you were first round leader, and you're standing on the third tee. But he did a great job staying with it, playing every shot the way that he figured he needed to. I think this course has some real advantages for Cam Smith and watching him. The um, I would imagine yesterday he wasn't a guy on your list as the mo- he didn't fit the model. Let's just say that he was extremely effective on the greens in round one. He made 135 feet of putts. I mean, that, that was double many of the players in the field. And and so now in round two, you're saying he's not going to repeat that. And 
truth be told, he didn't repeat that, yet he still shoots a, a better score. He shoots 64. That's why yeah. he's so impressive. I mean, he, he only made 68 feet of putts today. He was 12. He, he barely gained a little over half a shot on the greens. He was 12th, uh, a little better than middle of the pack there. But he got it done today with his iron play, which was unique. And I think this course benefits him so much because if if he goes wrong, he gets a little loose off the tee. And you saw it on, I think it was on 16. He hit this low, near snap hook tee shot, ends yeah. up in play, and then he hits it to four feet. And so I, I think, and then and then the tee shot on 18 to the right, and that it ball, ends up in the fairway. That ball on his approach shot had about uh, three pounds of mud on it, a true mud ball that he had to deal with uh, on that approach shot, and he and he hit an absolute peach. Yeah, it was, and it was perfect. And you heard the announcers talking about how he had to play it right of the flag, and he's looking at how how he's going to get it close. He, he plays it up high on the left hand side, taking the bunkers into play, taking all the trouble in in play, allows it to release, and curl around that little backstop there, and makes what it makes it look easy. From one seventeen, most guys he had he had one seventeen in. Most guys had about sixty five yards into that. Um, in, into that whole location and and everybody was making birdie but he, he was able to get it done with that approach play so I, I when I think of Camp Smith and what he's done in leads and with leads in the past uh, under the gun in the past I think of tee shots to the right down the stretch just like he did at Liberty National in the playoff against Tony Finau and this week that's okay you can, I mean you can't hit it far enough right you hit it far right you lose a little bit of distance but it, it's going to feed down to the left and stay in the fairway. So I think with his skill set, his ability on the greens and his approach play, he's in for it, this course really mitigates his weakness, which um, I, I think I think that really allowed him to get it rolling today. Yeah, we talked about that on Monday a little bit in the DFS preview. Jacob, do we have the mud ball drop available? Mud ball. Oh, you have the first mud ball of 2022. It only took till the second round recap. You love it. Thank you, producer Jacob. Closed with four birdies uh, for his round here. Greg did Camp Smith, and you mentioned it. He he is going to be the 36-hole leader. This is technically going to be the first time as an individual. Remember the Zurich Classic that he ends up winning with Mark Leishman, but the first time as an individual that he will have a 36-hole lead. Any idea what the close rate is on a 36-hole lead, according to our good friend uh, Jay Ray, Justin Ray? Oh, I would say it's about, give or take, uh, about 28.4%. Oh, no, you saw that. I'm sorry, I saw it. Yeah, it ruins the whole thing. You know I love getting put on the spot. I I love and using air quotes there, I, I love when you do that to me. Most of the time, I'm not so precise in my answers. It's 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 not an, a percentage that's very high, right? 28%, one out of four of these guys actually ends up going to going on to win the golf tournament. And we still talk, it's even crazier when you get to like a three-shot lead with 18 holes to go and you're still thinking, guys don't close this out enough. So still plenty of golf to be played, obviously. Yeah, well, he he shot 65-64, okay? Just just think about what it takes to win out here. He, he shoots 65-64. He's got a three-shot lead over two players. That can be made up in uh, in two holes tomorrow. I mean, it, it could, you could be turning on the, the broadcast tomorrow, and he's not your leader anymore. It changes so quickly, and there's so much golf left to be played. So I, I think there 
is still um, this thing is far from over. I just think the course fits Cam Smith quite nicely. And um, and what I would worry about with him specifically in a 36 hole lead and a 54 hole lead coming down the stretch of a tournament is those tee shots. And I think this venue really will really help him with that, depending on when he gets errant. There are a lot of holes where he can get away with it. A pair of 66s for John Rahm in the opening rounds. Both of those seven under par, so he's 14 under. He's three shots back of Cameron Smith. Producer Jacob astutely pointed out before we went hot that if you were just listening and watching John Rahm's body language, you you think these were 76s, not 66s, Greg. That's that's what he thinks of uh, you know his uh, his own standards that he puts on his game. But I've got an all timer here from Justin Ray that perfectly describes how good and how in control John Rahm has been. So Rahm hit every single fairway and every single green on Friday. In well, that's easy, right? They're, they're, uh, they're really wide and huge greens. That's easy, right? You would think, but in 3,000 rounds at Kapalua in the last 22 years, it's only the fifth time a golfer has pulled that one off, all fairways and all greens. He has He's hit 34 greens in regulation in a row. When you're doing that, greens in regulation obviously can be a flawed stat, but it just says he's constantly giving himself a bunch of looks. He's never putting himself in too much trouble. He's being the number one player in the world. Well, we talked about this a little bit with Patrick Reed. I believe it was on Monday where when you see that um, lack of success, both off the tee and approaching the green, it's a sign that there's an issue going on with the golf swing. And the the opposite is true when you're hitting every single fairway and every single green and around. It's hard to fake. So I, I don't put too much into greens of regulation in total. But when you do something like this and and for 36 holes, you're hitting or for 18, you know, 34 in a row, that's a, a pretty strong statement. And it says his golf swing is in really good form. And just watching it, it clearly is. Daniel Berger is also T2. So Cam Smith, solo first. John Rahm, Daniel Berger, they're both T2. And DB Straight Vibin also back-to-back 66s. He posted an eagle on 15, a birdie on 16. He only made par on 18, which is a hole that most guys have been try- have been taking advantage of. But Greg, I'm truly a believer that Berger is going to give us a lot in 2022, and he's positioning himself very well after the first two rounds of the year. We've we've been very high on his iron game of late and and how elite it's become and he just continues to prove it. And now in this field, in this week, whatever this means for your your weighted strokes gains that Rick. Um, he, he was second today, right? Fifth yesterday, second today. He's all over the flags. And getting to play with with Cam Smith today, um, watching those two play together, it was kind of a different style. But I, I mean if you were following that group around, I think you'd have to lean a little bit towards the Daniel Berger's game. That, that seems to be um, the, the more consistent, the safer play, the play that's going to last a little bit longer. Cam Smith's talent throws that into question. He's, he's just that good. Uh, and the mullet certainly helps, but yeah. I think, um, I think Daniel Berger has got to be feeling really good heading into the weekend. Your strokes gained approach leaders for round two, third, Cam Smith, 2.34. Second, Daniel Berger, 2.4. And a big gap to Patrick Cantlay, 
currently in solo fourth, gains 3.6 strokes on approach, shot a 67. We talked about it with Kyle last night on Thursday evening. He picked up right where he left off. He's doing it in a really good way, the ball striking, and it's probably no surprise to see his name on the very tippy top of this leaderboard. I love watching him play in a in a pairing like he had with John Rom today. Yeah. It, you see kind of contrasting styles on some holes. Now, he's an interesting case because there are times where they're neck and neck off the tee and their their ball ends up right next to each other. And you say, OK, okay Patrick Cantley's got tons of club head speed. But then there are holes where Rom is blasting at 60 yards by him. And yet Cantley is hitting it. They're hitting it in the same place. Um, I think is it 15 the the long par four where where the um, the whole location was in the front right. It was in a little bowl there, and both Cantlay and Rom just missed the bowl. But th- there were 60 yards in between them, and he just continues yeah. to get it done in whatever way is necessary. And today he certainly didn't lean on the putting. Uh, putting was a little bit disappointing today. He was he he lost over two shots putting just today but the the ball striking it looks like we're back at east lake in, in the tour championship again which is scary scary dangerous yeah. for everybody else in the field isn't it <laughs> yeah it's really good but he's just such a steady player and the one concern i had coming into the week was all that time off and um it's safe to say he's proved me wrong I believe the pairing, so it's first in, last out, right? So Rom tapped in. I believe it's going to be John Rom and Cam Smith, which would mean Berger and Cantlay. So those four in the final two groups on Friday, they're just going to flip-flop a little bit. It's going to be the same four, and they're going out in the final two groups. It should be Cam Smith and John Rom. That's a, that's a pretty interesting one. I'm, I'm, and, and in the Berger-Cantlay, those guys – resting heart rates won't get over 60 combined i don't think yeah burger can't layer they're going to look much more comparable right they're <laughs> they're going to end up in similar positions they'll plot their way around it'll be boring but phenomenal golf and then uh in that in that last group with camp smith and john rom you're that's where the fireworks are right i mean you're, you're going to see some unique shots out of camp smith as as you did today and it's not going to be reflected on the scorecard. Well, at least you hope if it goes anything like the past two days have. And then with Rom, you're going to see a complete stripe show with that little <laughs> that little fade down the middle all day long. And putts left short. Oh, He's got yes, I meant that, to. Okay, right? I was just about to say I meant to bring that up. My apologies. The John Rom storyline was he left every putt woefully short. You know, right. that's it's obviously tough. You know, your first couple competitive rounds out to get a feel for the greens. But I thought after like the first eight or nine, he might have started banging some of these past the hole. Well, I, I tell you, for the for the players on tour, it is much harder to go from fast greens to slow greens. When they when they slow down, it's a much bigger adjustment. When they speed up, they're you they they're they usually speed up throughout the week. So they're they're accustomed to that. It's easier. They can get more creative. They can see things uh, th- they can be more imaginative because when greens are faster, the ball breaks more. But when they get a little bit slower and you feel like you got to hammer it, it it has a way of messing with your stroke. And we're seeing it with Rom. He's just he he doesn't quite have the feel. And you don't want to you d- you don't want to get away from what you see 
and what you right. feel and what your brain and what your eyes tell you. You have to keep that in check. If, if you tell yourself, I need to hit this a little harder because I've left the last seven short, you're going to be in trouble. So you don't want to do that. But the what he's seeing with his eyes and what he's feeling with his hands and what he's doing aren't, aren't matching up yet. And he's going to be in the final group. And he scary. looks like the best player in the world. I mean, scary. he's if you're if you're looking at this from a eye test perspective from a statistical model perspective um i, I don't see very many avenues for john rom not to be not to win this thing on sunday well, our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook do see maybe a slightly different path. We're going to talk about that and some big news coming out of the LPGA. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Caesars Sportsbook with a three-shot lead has assigned Cam Smith your favorite heading into the weekend. Plus 163. It is John Rahm, who will be in that final group and three shots back at plus 333. Daniel Berger at five to one. Patrick Cantlay at six and a half to one. Then a huge gap. So let's start with this, Greg, because Caesars is saying this is a four horse race. Let's start there. Does the winner come from the final two groups? I, yeah, I, I believe so. Um, and I, I think. It's because of what I said before the break. It, John, it's hard for me to find a way that John Rom doesn't win. I understand why Patrick, uh, why Cam Smith rather is is the favorite here. He's got a three shot lead, and but everything has gone right for him so far. It seems it seems like he's playing at at a um, a really high level, whereas it seems like John Rom is not playing at a really high level. It seems like the best is yet to come, and I would say Berger and Cantlay. It also seems the same way. The, the problem with Hideki, who's only one shot behind Cantlay. Um, right. The, the, which, the is, thing, which is important, Greg, because if Cam yeah. Smith falters, those guys at 12 under are live again. So that's that's why this Hideki thing's important. Even if even if they don't. I mean, Hideki shot eight under today. That's his problem, um, which is crazy to say. But it, it's unlikely that you're going to shoot eight under again tomorrow. But I could see Sung J.M. shooting eight under tomorrow. Kevin, not. I mean, it's out there. It, it, those scores are are definitely out there. And you don't have to do too much with all the – you have four par fives. You have a drivable par four. You have a, a, a number of shorter par fours and some really downhill um, longer holes that play short. There's a lot of wedge opportunities, and you have soft greens. So there are really low numbers out there. It's just a matter of who can do it. So, I, I mean, a, a five-shot lead I don't think is safe. And I don't even think Cam Smith has to come back to the field. I, I don't think he has to shoot over par to let those guys in. Um, it, it's just that maybe you feel like their best round kind of came out today. 
But then again, Camp Smith did the same thing. He shot 64. What, what's your what's your read on this? Is it crazy to think that Matsuyama and Im are are too far back or that far back? Yeah, I I think so. I I think it's just because of the caliber of golfer ahead of them. That's what fair. is what's the likelihood that one Cam Smith? Okay, right. He doesn't need to. He's not going to shoot over par. But if he shoots two. Three under rounds, that's that, you know, with what we saw on Friday, that's going to open it up. But then you've got Berger there. You've got John Rahm there. You've got Patrick Cantlay there. The last two have been basically the best two players on planet Earth for a year. So that's that's tough. And also, my kind of issue with both Hideki and Sungjae is, what what's the winning score going to be? Are we getting to 20 seven under par that's all you're gonna have to make a lot of putts is what i'm getting at and i i don't necessarily love that for hideki and sungjin i would agree i I agree i agree and i i think that likely plays into the plays into the role here um where burger can't lay rather he didn't make anything today still got six under out of it um you 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 got to start making putts to get into that eight, nine, 10 under par round. I don't think you have to go crazy to shoot six, seven, six or seven under par. Um, I I don't think you you need that many long ones. There are just, there are opportunities out there to have really short birdie putts consistently. And the way Hideki and Sung JM can knock down the flag sticks. I I don't worry about that too much. Look, I I agree. I think the best point in this is the caliber of players ahead of them and the likelihood that all four, Cam Smith, John Rahm, Daniel Berger, and Patrick Cantlay don't beat Sung J.M. and Hideki Matsuyama over the weekend with the cushion that they have. I can buy that argument, but I still, I, I, I think as many birdies as there are out there, I think this can change very quickly. Would you take Cam Smith or the field right now? Uh, the field. I think I'll take the field too. So you've got yeah. Ron Berger can't lay, but so can't lay's a small negative with the putter. Rom is a small positive for the week and Berger's a small negative. That is a disaster for everybody else in the field. When the, right. when, when one of those guys has a hot putting round or two, can't lay six and a half to one being one shot back of Berger and Rom and losing strokes around the green and losing strokes on the putting surface is a problem. That's a problem. Now, John Rom is his own problem. He's leading the field in strokes gained off the tee. He's been great on approach. He hasn't been all that good in the short game. He's there are two big problems lurking with John Rom and Patrick Cantlay that I I just they're they're like Thanos, right? Like they're inevitable at this point. Yes. And, and you watch John Rom putt especially and it's not like the um, he's hitting bad putts. Like the way Justin Thomas, you watch him putt this week, and it's been bad. Been, it's been really bad putting. He's the guy that's out there, needs to be on the green late at night, and is. He knows it. Everybody knows it. It's it's really bad putting. He'd be the first to tell you. But when you look at John Rahm, it's frustrating putting. And if you remember in the past couple of years with John Rahm, he's finished – uh, I think what tied seventh, a, cu- a couple of top tens. One of them was a tied seventh. I think it was last year. And, and the problem he had was he got off to a slow start on the greens. And this, this year it's been a slow start on the greens, but he's right there in the mix and in the final group. So he's played his way into contention 
despite a slow start on the green. So I, I think as time goes on for John Rahm, the way he's putting, uh, they're going to start going in. And it could be tomorrow, could be Sunday, and it could be both. If you're, it could be both. <laughs> but I don't think it's none of them. I'd be really surprised if we're sitting here Sunday saying John Rom just couldn't make anything. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's get out of here on some more good news. The USGA announces not only future U.S. Women's Open sites, but a massive increase in the purse to the point where. The 2022 U.S. Women's Open champion will receive $1.8 million, Greg. The purse is going up to $10 million. To put that into perspective, $1.8 million. Only three players on the entire tour earned more than that for the entire season last year. We are seeing an influx of cash, which generally creates a, a, a more competitive, a more sponsor-heavy, a more eyeball watching situation this is a, a huge step forward for the ladies game it's not the way it normally goes right you typically think well the purses follow the viewership the the purse follows the sponsors which follows the viewership it, it usually goes down that path when we have more money we'll pay you more money when you bring in more we'll pay you more but the USGA has taken a, a different approach on this. I have to think Mike Wan, being a, a former LPGA commissioner, is saying, hey, we got to, this is the biggest problem in the women's game, uh, according to the women in the game uh, and analysts. And this is a very, very common commentary in this aspect. And he's saying, we're going to fix the problem and we can. So good for them. It, it's a massive jump. Um, that, yeah. that number is, enormous and it's going to really increase the pressure in that event it'll make the event um it'll make it compelling and i think the golf courses that they're playing at will will also help it'll it'll help viewership and it'll it'll um help the entire game maybe you get a fan maybe it maybe it helps the rest of the schedule on the lpga tour as well the courses that they announced that you're referring to so the the new courses that were announced are 2026 and out Riviera in 2026, Inverness Club in 2027. Here's a fun one. Pinehurst number two. They're going to go back to back in 2029. So the men are going to play, I believe it's one week, and the ladies will play Pinehurst number two the following week, which is going to be an awesome event, an awesome couple of weeks. They're, they're, they're taking advantage of some of these really prestigious, awesome courses and just throwing everything they've got at this game. Yeah, and it's helpful when you have a great venue um, it's, it, it's very helpful. And especially when it's a, a place like Pinehurst that you have a little familiarity with a place like Riviera that we have some familiarity with it, it, it adds an element of intrigue. Well, how do the men who I watch every week, how do they play the golf course and how do the women play the golf course? What's the difference? There'll be some curious viewers who just want to see what Riviera looks like at the Genesis versus at the U S women's open. Uh, and and Pinehurst back to back. That's what they did in 2014 when Martin Keimer and Michelle Wee won, and it was um, it, it was great. It, it you you get two weeks at a certain venue, and Pinehurst is an anchor site for the USGA now, so that'll go a long way as well in that. So it, it, it's a big move. I'm I was really um, surprised but encouraged to see that that purse increase. I think it's it's substantial. It's not just a thought. It is substantial. Awesome stuff, Greg. You and I again on Saturday night, correct? 
Correct. And I'll be here Sunday too. Can't wait. Oh, three yeah. days in a row for Greg Ducharme. Yeah. You can follow oh, and, him on and Monday, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Four, we're we're into it. We're, we're into it, man. We are not, yeah. we are not stopping four days in a row. Yeah. Five Zero days to... here on Tuesday. Um, no uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know yet. Um, we'll four, we'll maybe five in a row. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. You can follow Greg on Twitter at the real GFD. You can follow me at Rick Rungood. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. So thank you, Jacob. And this has been the first cut. We'll see you tomorrow night.